Welcome to Star Wars Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG Storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars role-playing books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic-scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc. And the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. The rebel band is hot on the trail of Inna's sister. Having learned where Clisse was sold into slavery, they are on their way to the home planet of the house which bought her. There, they expect to find her working, and they hope they can secure her release. Praxis had been using his time to learn what sort of people had helped him defect. Inna didn't trust him. They had, after all, just nabbed him from a group of Imperials. Who could say for certain that this wasn't an Imperial plot to infiltrate the rebels? She had brought up this concern with Rez, and he had answered bluntly that they simply weren't important enough for the Empire to care that much about. Valina had scrutinized Praxis with the Force, and she did not see any duplicity from him. Plus, he was being run by a player, so she figured he was on the level. But that's meta-thinking, so we'll call it the Force. Rez was more interested in getting to know their new guest, so he had struck up a conversation in the recreation area while the ship was in hyperspace toward Veridan. He asked Praxis why he wanted to defect, Praxis explained that the Empire had turned to experimentation for which he did not approve. He had joined a science team that was supposed to be exploring the limits of human potential. I naively believed they would be testing athletes who could perform great feats of prowess, or at most, experiment with performance-enhancing drugs to better their abilities, Praxis explained. I also thought they might work with expanding the mind, to see and do things previously thought impossible. I really believed in what we would be doing and was excited about it. When the Imperial managers witnessed my skills, they transferred me to something called Lifeseed. It was supposed to explore all the things I had hoped to learn, bettering the mind and body. But I was so wrong. At the outset, it was apparent that the organizers of Lifeseed was more interested in the boundaries of human endurance and the limits of pain than it was in its potential. Rez interrupted and asked, What kind of name is Lifeseed? It was organized by my boss, SSD agent Nikris Dawes. He brought in two scientists who had ideas of grandeur. One was Dr. Quidal Fogro, who experimented with extending the human body. The other was Rixar Traun. I don't think he was a doctor. He was a strange man. He was experimenting with expanding the mind. He was as much a fanatic as he was a scientist. He was trying to bring back the religion of the Force. Apparently, he thought he could put the Force into people. I worked closer to Dr. Thogro, and of course, Agent Dawes. Daz was one of the men that got in your face. We were in charge of the overall operation. Rixar's ideas were far-flung with little result, while Thogros were showing results. So more resources were sent to him. What happened with him? Valina asked, seeming to partially already know. He continued to do his work under Lifeseed, but he did it more independently, away from us. He set up a lab somewhere in the Juvex sector. Anyway, Thogros' work was directed to making super-soldiers, bulking up stormtroopers to have superhuman strength and size. 
The only problem was, in order to make it work, the host had to be transformed. They had to cease being who they had been to become a nearly mindless hulk. No one would volunteer for that. Which is why the Synex sector is the perfect place for this work. It's full of slave labor. Praxis's eyes watered and his mouth shook as images played through his mind. The things that we did to them. Some of them begged us to stop. The pain. We were experimenting. So many of them went wrong. How wrong? Valina asked. Have you ever seen a body turn inside out? Praxis asked. They all recoiled. The bleeping of the cockpit caught their attention. Rez stood and said, We're almost there. I better get to the cockpit. Anna was chatting with Huff in his quarters. She asked, How do you suggest we get my sister out? Huff smirked and said, I've got a plan. Would you care to share that plan with everyone else for a change? Anna asked. You've really been uptight this entire journey, Huff said. Anna simply eyed him. We're getting her out by either your plan, she lifted her blaster rifle onto her lap, or mine. Mine's more messy, so I'll give you your shot first. Oh, gee, thanks, Huff said. Arriving at Veridon, they located the primary palace of House Petro, the organization that had purchased Inna's sister. It stood atop a tall, rocky rise that overlooked the barren landscape of the planet. Rez called their flight control and requested permission to land. Flight control denied their request, stating that they needed to be invited to the palace to land there, or have commodities to trade. Oh, we've got commodities, Huff said from the co-pilot seat. Tell your managers that we would like to trade in crystals. We have no need of cheap crystals. We have kyber crystals, to be exact. There was silence on the opposite end. Kyber crystals were valuable, but it was also illegal to own them privately, as they were sought out by the Empire. This would either open the doors to Huff and his crew, or have them permanently shut out. After what felt like an eternity, the flight controller came back on and gave them instructions to land. They came down right behind the palace where deliveries were directed. A few other ships were there, and many more were out front. It appeared that House Petro was holding an event that afternoon. This could work in their favor, or against them. It was already making things difficult for Valina, who was using the force to look inside for Calicia's end. But there were too many people, and she couldn't make out their target. As soon as the ramp was down, Anna was marching down it, and Huff had to catch up with her carrying a bag that ostensibly held kyber crystals. It only had a few, but he had stuffed it with machine parts so it looked full. The shipping foreman was there to meet them with his computerized clipboard, a guard, and a pair of slaves. Welcome to Petro Palace, the foreman said. I am authorized to make a proper trade or fair payment for your offerings. But first, let me see the merchandise. Nope, only for your leader's eyes, Huff said. Her Royal Highness does not see spontaneous visitors, and she is occupied at the moment. But I am authorized. She'll see me because she'll want this, Huff said, holding out a couple of kyber crystals. Sir, this is our policy. You will reveal your cargo. Nope, leader's eyes only, Huff insisted. Sir, open your bag. Praxis stepped forward with one hand held forward, but instead of a gun in his hand, he held his imperial credentials. This is business of the empire. These gentlemen have business that Queen Anatomy Petro will want to attend to personally. I know that she is currently engaged in a celebratory engagement, so now is the perfect opportunity for you to present us to Her Highness. The foreman had no choice but to immediately capitulate to Praxis's demands, and he said, Right this way. Huff eyed his new arrival and said under his breath, Okay, you can come. They walked through the import warehouse. 
then down a narrow corridor toward the center of the palace. As they approached the main chamber, they could hear dissonant tones of fusion jazz echoing past. They emerged into a large, round main chamber. Stadium seating surrounded a lower stage in the center where a band played. They faced the queen and her royal entourage. Surrounding them were guests of the queen, all of whom were sitting at table eating expensive meals and drinking fancy drinks. As the band finished, the audience snapped their fingers in approval. A member of guest relations approached the group that had just entered and asked how they would prefer to be introduced. Captain Huff, came the reply. As the band left the stage, the guest relations representative stepped onto it and declared, Before our next scheduled guest, we have a surprise offer for your highness. It comes from Captain Huff. The representative bowed and shuffled off the stage as Huff strode on. Do we have a plan? Rez asked the rest of the members of his group. Valina shrugged. If we did, it just stepped out on stage. I guess we should have asked him before he left, huh? Is this how you always operate? Praxis asked, surprised. Everyone shrugged. Huff noticed that the queen looked bored. She was already waiting for the next act, and was just waiting for him to make his presentation so she could send him away. She was short, in her twenties, though the way she slouched in her chair made her look like she was in her early teens. "'Greetings, your worshipfulness!' Huff exclaimed. "'What house do you hail from, Captain Huff?' "'No house,' he said. "'I live out of my ship. I'm not really part of your aristocracy.' "'Then why should I listen to you?' she asked, already looking away. "'Because of this,' he said, and he yanked out a single kyber crystal for all to see. Others in the room gasped, and their reaction returned the queen's attention to Huff. She knew vaguely what it was, but her advisors had to tell her how valuable it was. That hardly made a difference, as she was already enamored with its beauty. "'I want it!' she shouted, grasping out a hand. "'You want it?' "'Yes!' Well, Huff said as he secretly folded the crystal into his hand. Then he threw a credit into the air. Everyone's eyes followed the small object, thinking it was the kyber crystal. Huff drew his blaster pistol and shot the credit out of the sky. The guards drew their weapons and aimed them at Huff. The advisors jumped in front of the queen. Huff just twirled his gun and stuck it back in his holster. Not to worry, everyone, he called out to a gasping, fearful crowd. There are plenty more kyber crystals. Because, you see, we have crates of these. So many we don't know what to do with them, but use them for target practice. I figured you, my lady, would have good enough taste to value them as they should. What is it you wish to trade for these crates? One of the advisors asked. Praxis leaned over to Rez and whispered, Do we really have crates of these? Rez shrugged, then thought about it and shook his head. Valina had her eyes closed. She was reaching out with the force again to try to find Khaleesi in the crowd. She saw her briefly in the room they were in, further toward the back. But when she opened her eyes to see, she lost her. She looked at Inna and said, She's here. I'm looking for some servants, Huff said. I hear you have some of the best, the most obedient and well-behaved. I personally need a personal assistant, if you know what I mean. He said the last part slyly, raising his eyebrows. The queen's confused reaction showed that she didn't know what he meant. So he cleared his throat and went on to describe the perfect assistant for him. And he described the way Inna had said Khaleesi looked, I am sure we have a servant that appears like that, and others that will please you, Queen Anatomy declared. You are to be made comfortable, and we will bring servants to you until you find the ones to your liking. It would be an honor, your highness, Huff said, bowing slightly, and his band was shown to a table further up toward the back. Rez was satisfied with the seating. It was near a bar. 
Anna was not happy with it as it was on the opposite side of the chamber that her sister had been spotted. Don't worry, Huff said. If she's a servant, they'll have her around here serving us sooner or later. Anna clenched. She did not like thinking of her sister serving anyone. But they had to keep up the ruse. Rez leaned across the table and asked, Do we have a plan here? Huff put out his hand and waved it as though to say, Somewhat. I have a bad feeling about this, Praxis said. What's there to worry about, guys? I have it all under control, Huff said. We do not have crates of kyber crystals, Felina hissed. A little exaggeration, Huff admitted. A little? Felina said. You don't even have that bag filled with them. There'll be enough to buy Kalisa her freedom, Huff said. But what if they're expecting you to buy more? Or you spend it all on drinks and food and don't have the promised crates? Felina asked. Well, it... Huff started, but then a servant approached their table. It was a tall, chiss man. Someone Felina had noticed was organizing the other servants earlier. Can I bring any of you something to drink? Or an appetizer or something? He asked. Huff and Rez both ordered expensive drinks, and the rest ordered something more basic with less alcohol. The chiss man bowed and walked away. As soon as he was gone, all of them leaned over the table closer to one another. We aren't going to need to pay them, Huff whispered. Oh, this'll be good, Enna said. When it comes time to pay, and Khaleesi is close enough, we'll grab her and run for the ship. Everyone was repulsed. That's a terrible idea, Rez said. Why? We save money. They're all around here, Rez argued. Our escape route is down a narrow hall. What do you suggest? Huff asked. Rez offered. What if, when we get her around here, someone get on the other side, cause a distraction? Or maybe if she's over there, that person grab her and someone else distract you also have someone else closer to the queen. The distraction gets the guards to go over to them. Then that one guy runs in and grabs the queen. Someone clears the hallway. A servant dropped by the table and everyone sat up straight in their chairs as though nothing was happening. Then as soon as the servant was gone, they leaned in again. What are you talking about? Valina asked. You say mine is too complicated. I'm talking about a simple snatch and grab and you're talking about kidnapping the queen, Huff said. It's just a thought, Rez said. They were interrupted again by a servant of the queen bringing several slaves and lining them up before their table. None of them were Khaleesi, so Inna turned away immediately. Felina felt something from the slaves, but she had trouble figuring out what. Huff and Rez knew that they needed to keep up the ruse, and several of them were rather hot, so they stared a moment. Then Huff said in a demanding voice, They're not quite right. Bring me some more. As the slaves were led away, Felina realized what it was she was feeling. One of them, a young teenager, had powers within him only she could detect. It was the Force. It was strong within him, but he probably didn't know it, and he was led away back to the slave chambers. As soon as they were gone, the group leaned over the table and began talking again. When do we make our move? Rez asked. As soon as Inna's sister is here, Huff said. What move are we making? Praxis asked a little loudly. Everyone else hushed him. Wait, are you drunk? Felina asked. Hey, I haven't been this free in a long time, Praxis said happily, and he ordered another drink. Felina pulled him toward her over the table. We all need our heads together here. If we're going to pull off this plan successfully, we need it to actually be a plan. Now, I don't see why we don't just buy in a sister. A kyber crystal will pay for her and several more slaves. You have at least one, unless you actually blasted it. No, you see, it was sleight of hand. I switched the kyber crystal with a credit and... Where's Inna? Rez asked. Huff and Felina looked around, suddenly surprised. She wandered over to the other side, Praxis said. They looked over in time to see Inna disappear out the main door on the opposite side. None of them knew exactly where it led, so Felina closed her eyes and concentrated so she could watch what Inna did. 
Clisier was walking down the main hall, carrying some plates from the kitchen toward the great chamber where the celebration was taking place. A figure rounded the corner and nearly ran into her. Clisier desperately held onto the plates, but one of them fell. The figure grabbed it and brought it back up. "'I'm so sorry,' Clisier said, begging for forgiveness as though her life depended on it, because it possibly did. Then she recognized the figure. It was Inna. Clisée's jaw dropped and her face glowed with hope. Inna made a shushing expression with her lips, getting it immediately. Clisée curtsied and said, "'Excuse me, ma'am.' Inna leaned in as though looking at the food. She whispered as she did, "'We're here to get you out of here, but you're going to have to get into one of the lineups in front of us.' She then said louder, "'I'm going to have to buy one of those. In the meantime, where's the restroom?' "'That way, miss.' Khaleesi said, pointing toward a pair of doors. Anna nodded and headed for the restroom. The two sisters looked back at one another as they parted ways. Inside the main chamber, the queen asked Huff how he and his friends were enjoying the hospitality of House Petro. The drinks are okay, Huff said. We're still waiting for the food. The queen kept wearing her smile for him, but it faded as she turned away. Where is this man's food? she shouted temperamentally. The Chiss, who had spoken with them earlier, said he would go check on it and hurried away. "'And bring them more slaves!' the queen continued, and she smiled at Huff with whitened but very crooked teeth. He bowed back. Valina noticed one of the advisers watching them suspiciously, and she could tell he didn't trust them. She began concentrating on him. The food came to the table about the same time as another lineup of slaves, both by servants getting things moving as fast as possible. The food was accompanied by the Chiss slave they had seen earlier and the slaves were accompanied by the advisor who had been eyeing them suspiciously. As they were being taken to the table, Clisset was carrying food to another table. She placed the food somewhere randomly and hurried up to get into the line. "'Which one of these would you like to take?' the slave servant asked. "'Or do you have a special agenda?' the advisor asked. Felina opened her eyes and looked the man straight in the eye. "'Watch yourself, Darga Nutfree. "'How do you know my ni- "'We wouldn't want the queen to know about that stash of elanium quartz you've been stashing away for yourself, would we?' The advisor excused himself and got as far away from the table as he could. Someone at a distant table started complaining that their food had not reached them. Someone else complained that plates had gotten dropped at their table all of a sudden. Someone was going to get a whipping for this if it was an accident, and worse if it was on purpose. Huff was pretending to have difficulty deciding which slave to pick. Inna kicked his chair to hurry him along. Huff's eyes landed on Calicier. That one, he said. Calicier looked relieved, and so did Inna, but they resisted running to one another. The Chiss told the others, All right, everyone, let's go back to work. He had a way of saying that decidedly, but as one of them. We'll take you too, Huff said. What, sir? The Chiss asked. I'd say this crystal should be able to get me five slaves, right? Plus the meal and the drinks. What say you, Petro Queen? One crystal for five slaves? Four slaves, she called back. Huff saw the hubbub about the misplaced food growing, and he didn't want to waste time haggling. Okay, four slaves and the food and drink. "'Food and drink, too,' she said. "'With the drinks you got, three slaves.' Huff looked over at Praxis. He had several expensive bottles of liquor he had ordered to take with him. "'Fine,' Huff said. "'For our last, we'll take—' "'The boy,' Valina said. "'The what?' Huff asked. Valina pointed directly at the young man, who was just outside the doorway in the hall, being taken back to the cells. "'That teenager out there,' Huff said. "'Very well,' Queen Petro said and a servant was sent to fetch him. Anna grabbed her sister and escorted her down the long corridor to their ship before anything could go wrong. The Chiss was also taken out. "'And what of all these other crystals you have?' the Queen said. "'Shall we talk large sails? Starships, perhaps? 
We'll have to think on that, Huff said. Try out the merchandise we've gotten so far and see if we can trust it. Very well, the queen said. She saw the young man being led across the floor toward his new master and said, Or your mother and brother will suffer dire consequences. The young man appeared defiant, but he knew better than to fight back. He knew what had happened to others who had tried. He was led out to the ship as well. Huff handed over the kyber crystals and headed outside. And with that, I bid you all good day, he said, bowing. Praxis rushed in past him, gathered up some of the food they hadn't eaten, and ran it back to the ship. Huff then followed. As soon as they were on board, Rez had the ship taking off, and they flew away into the sky. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!